Good morning, church family. How are you doing? Happy Sunday. Y'all don't be getting too comfortable in these seats now, all right? I'll treat you like one of my professors did in Bible college. No kidding. We had a, a few guys that would fall asleep in Bible college, and so he brought his Super Soaker 2000. And fair enough, he gave everyone warning. And one day, man, got right there on the front row to like right there in the front row. He's sitting there just to sleep. God sit there and he just chucked it up. He's getting it like filled to the rim. We're all watching it, man. He just he doused him, man. He got him good. And so uh, don't make me bring my super soaker 4,000, all right? Because I got the upgrade model, all right? So y'all better be awake. And uh, aren't you grateful for this room? Aren't you grateful for this place? You guys know this is only temporary. This is not our final home. But aren't we grateful for all? I, I was thinking just the other day, we've been 10, we're 10 years old, man. Isn't that awesome? How does that happen? That's crazy. But I think about throughout the years as we started uh, around my kitchen table over to the Nefar building which could only hold 65 people, but that room felt huge at that moment. And then we went over to Latitude 30, and then we moved over here to the smaller theater, and then the next theater, and then the one we've been in for the last three or four years, and then we finally get a land here. So that tells me this is our last stop right before we get home. Amen? Come on, how many of y'all going to stand and agree with me for that? And I believe we ain't even going to be in here that long. And so uh, I'm excited, but um, I I'm very excited because, you know, sometimes... My friend Mark Batterson says it this way, uh, this way. He says, a change of place and a change of pace will often result in a change in perspective. Right? Sometimes it'll just cause you to see things differently. Like sometimes you just got to paint the walls. Right? Some of the wives are hitting their husband right now. See, I told you that's what we need to do. Right? But it really is true. It really is true. And uh, I'm excited uh, I believe there's going to be many. I've been praying about it, and I feel it in my spirit. There's going to be hundreds in this room come to know the Lord. Yea, though, I would say even more than a 1,000 that are going to come to know Christ. And so I'm excited. But you're a part of that, church family. That's not just Pastor Chris. That's you guys as well and us going after this city. I got a fire burning in my belly. I hope you guys got a fire burning in you because if not... I'm, I'm telling you, it's time. Today, it's time. God's called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. I look at the news. I see what's going on around the world right now. And I think, man, Elijah must be a little bit jelly, right? I mean, Moses has got to be excited thinking, I wish I was alive in 2022. Because we're about to experience the greatest outpouring of God's spirit throughout history until this time. Because God said that in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit. And it's about to happen, church. Don't miss it. Be awake. Have eyes to see. Have ears to hear. Be pressing into God unlike you ever have before. Be hungry. Be thirsty. Remember, it's those that hunger and thirst for righteousness that will be filled. Don't sit on the sidelines, church family. Don't do it. Don't sit back and watch what God's doing in everyone else's life. But be all in. How about that plug in intentionally? Be all in. Amen? Amen? Pray with me if you would. Father, we love you with all of our heart. Lord, we desire nothing but you. Your name, your renown is the desire of our heart, King Jesus. Be lifted up in this place. Even now, oh God, Jesus, have your way. 
Spirit of God, precious Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, that you would breathe in this place. God, I consecrate this room to you, Lord. Father, I don't know what's happened, what movies have been shown in the past, what things have went on in the back seats of this auditorium, but God, now we declare this place for your glory. And we pray that many sons and daughters would come into the kingdom in Jesus' name. We pray that the discouraged would find encouragement. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be poured out and that there would be a fresh baptism, baptism even this day, oh God, in this place. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hmm, may we become more aware of your presence. Thank you, oh God, that your presence is an open door. God, you have an open door policy in regards to your presence. The veil has been rent. God, we thank you that we can boldly come before the throne of grace. And so we do that even now, God. We invite you, Holy Ghost, to have your way. And we pray, Lord, that you would just prepare our hearts, God. May our hearts be found as fertile soil by which the seed of the word be planted, Lord. Word of God, have your way in this place. Renew, restore, revive. Have your way, we pray. In the matchless name of Jesus and all of God's saints say, amen, amen, and amen. God is so good, amen. I want to just uh, echo what Daniel said, Pastor Daniel said, and just uh, thank our, our teams, I was just sitting here in worship thinking about all the hard work. There's a lot of hard work that went into making all of this happen yesterday. I didn't realize how much stuff we have. I, I mean, because like 10 years ago, it was my Yukon in a, a buck. You remember this? Where you at? Remember, but in the, like, in the back, we, we had everything filled in a little bitty small 10 foot trailer that we hooked on, single axle trailer. And now it takes two shipping containers and three uh, closets. And we're trying to always beg for the theater to give us more room. And we're just, we're grateful for growth. Amen. We're grateful to see what God's done. But none of that could be possible without the body of Christ. And so I bet you there was 20 people here yesterday sweating. And, man, I'll tell you what, it's been humid out, hasn't it? And I, by 8 o'clock, they were all soaking wet, moving everything over here. And so I'm so grateful, so grateful. The Lord says that we're to love him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and strength. And so thank you for those of you that, that, that love him with all your, your uh, physical strength. Thank you for those of you that uh, love him with all your soul, those of you that are leading community groups, those of you that are greeters here, those of you that settle up, that tear down, that are going to be watching this message later because they're back there now ministering to your kids and your babies. Thank you. We love you. Matter of fact, parents of kids, you should say thank you right now to those that are loving on your kids. I want you to know they don't just babysit your kids, but they minister to them and they're sowing truth into their life at a young age. Amen. We're very intentional about that. And so um, anyway, uh, excited. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. Um, Today we are starting a new series, you heard a little bit of a plug uh, just a minute ago, that I'm calling All In. And really what this series is, is it's a study in the book of Acts. And I felt this series title was appropriate because if the Gospels were an introduction to who Jesus was and what Jesus had done, the book of Acts is now the time to be all in. Jesus fulfilled all that the scriptures had foretold. He traveled all throughout Israel, preaching, teaching, 
healing, and performing signs, wonders, and miracles. He spread the good news about the kingdom of God. And then he did what only God could do. He offered his life as a sacrifice, as a payment for the sins of the world. And as proof of the claims that he made, he said that after being killed, that he would be killed, and that after being killed, that he would rise from the dead in three days. And friends, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus' resurrection from the dead was proof that everything that he ever said was 100% true. And so if there was ever a time for doubt with the disciples, like now's the time to kick doubt to the curb, right? Because the people, they witnessed the crucifixion. These disciples, they saw him nailed to the cross. They watched the, the Roman soldier pierce his side where both blood and water poured out and fell to the ground. But three days later, he rose from the grave. And he presented himself to his disciples. And not only to his disciples, but many of them saw him walking and talking throughout the city. History records that at one point, he revealed himself to more than 500 people at one time. And so this miraculous resurrection, it caused Jesus' followers to be all in. But of course they would be all in, right? I mean, just imagine if you could be in one of his disciples. Here you've spent three years with Jesus. You've watched him perform miracle after miracle. You've carefully examined every aspect of his life and found him to be without sin. You've listened to his teachings countless times, and each time you heard his words, they burned in your heart like fire. Much like the two men on the road to Emmaus to whom Jesus appeared in Luke chapter 24 when they said, was not our heart burning within us as he was speaking on the road? And then on top of all that you've saw and experienced, Jesus then says, they're going to kill me, but don't be afraid. Because in three days, I will rise from the dead. And then Jesus did the very thing that he said that he would do. I mean, how could you not be all in? Can I just say that my prayer for this series, I think this is very strategic. I think today is a new day. Can I just speak that prophetically for a moment as I was there? I, 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 and not just because we're in a new theater but the scripture teaches us that his mercies are new every day, right? And so his mercy is already there. You've just got to step into it. Are you with me? But my prayer for this series is that we would be all in. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's the reason I'm teaching this series. That's the reason I gave it that title, that this church, that Destiny Church, would be all in. That we would be all in in every area of our life that would be all in in our devotion, that would be all in in our service, that would be all in in our commitment, and that we would be all in in our love. But in order for us to be all in, we need to first of all understand what those two words mean. And the book of Acts, it details the story of Jesus' followers, and he shows us what it means to be all in. So having said that, would you turn with me 
in your Bibles to the book of Acts. While you're turning there, let me just give you a, a little bit of background. The book of Acts is the second of Luke's two-volume work. Really, Acts begins where the gospel of Luke ends. And it continues the story of what happened to Jesus' followers and the movement that became Christianity. So let's dive in. Are you ready? Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now I want us to just pause here for a minute. In the first verse you'll notice that this historical account was written by the physician Luke to a man named Theopolis. And we say that this is Luke's two volume work because both books were written to the same person. As a matter of fact, let me read to you in uh, the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Which, by the way, I love this because when you think about what Luke is saying, hey guys, there's a lot of guys saying a lot of things, and there's a lot of guys writing a lot of things. He says, but let me just set the record straight, right? He goes on to say, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So right away we see this similar introduction to this man named Theophilus, both in the book of Luke and in Acts. Now, None of us can say with certainty who Theopolis was. A common theory is that he was someone of high social ranking, and he was probably a, a good friend of Luke. But Luke addressed Theopolis, as we just read, as most excellent, which really is a Roman title of respect and, and possibly of official importance. And so the likelihood of Theopolis being Roman was pretty high. But who Theopolis was really isn't of significant importance. What is significant is why Luke wrote him two books. And both of those books state the purpose. Luke writes the phrase, so that you may know with certainty of the things that you've been taught. So Theophilus was someone who was receptive to the gospel and perhaps even convinced by the claims but he had some questions about Christianity. How many of you know that it's okay to have some questions? And we welcome your questions here at Destiny Church. I don't care if you're a different denomination, a different religion, if you're atheist, agnostic, or ignorant. We welcome your questions. And so Theophilus had some questions about Christianity. And so Luke wrote to him in order to strengthen his belief and to give him a clear and accurate first-hand account of the gospel and the history of the church. Now, let me just throw in a very important side note here. Acts was written to uh, Theophilus, but it wasn't written just to Theophilus. Just like the gospel of Luke wasn't just written to him either. Luke wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what we have now 
come to know as part of the collection of the 66 books of the Bible. And the Bible was God's word to all of mankind. And so I just want to lay this foundation for those of you that may not know because some think that the Bible was just man's idea. Like while other people will just treat it as if it is a history book. But I want you to know that the Bible is the living word of God. And what do I mean when I say that it's living? That means that its, word, that its words were breathed out by God. Let me explain what I mean. The scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, not just part, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word inspiration, it literally means God breathed. That means that the Bible, it wasn't something that man just came up with. As a matter of fact, listen to how Peter says it in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. He says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. So that tells me right there that if God's going to speak to you and speak to me, that there's going to be so many times that we're not going to understand what it is that God's speaking to us, but we just got to trust God because his thoughts are above our thoughts, his ways are above our ways, right? And Peter gives a little side note in there in, in saying this. That no scripture, it ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So it wasn't just something that man came up with. As a matter of fact, it would have been impossible for man to come up with this on their own. Because the things that they wrote about, those things actually came to pass. I mean... They prophetically declared things that were to come, and then they came to pass with precise accuracy. For example, there are 324 individual prophecies that spoke about and related to the Messiah. That means that there were 324 things said about Jesus, watch this, hundreds of years before he was born. And guess what? Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. And these weren't prophecies that one could just try and self-fulfill either. I remember one time, you know, uh, talking to someone about their prophecies. They said, well, yeah, you know, well, Jesus was just trying to self-fulfill those prophecies because he, he knew what the Torah said, and he tried to make himself to be the Messiah, which I think is just like, are you kidding me? Um, because, and you'll see why here in just a moment. Matter of fact, let me just give you, like, maybe just a few examples of those 324. Like, for example, the first one, Micah 5.2, written well before Jesus was born. It says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now, could you imagine trying to self-fulfill that prophecy? <laughs> hey, Mom, I need to get to Bethlehem while I'm in your womb, right? I want to be that guy, you know, even though I can't read yet. Or could you even imagine for those who would say, well, of course not, but it was, it was Mary and it was Joseph. No, see, you don't understand. You've got to read the, the story because they were commanded to go to Bethlehem at that time. They didn't know King Herod was going to ask for a census, and so they had to, they had to go there, right? Isaiah 40, verse 3 says that the Messiah would be preceded by a messenger. And we know who that is, John the Baptist. 
Zechariah 11.12 says that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And we know Judas Iscariot did that very thing. Isaiah 7.14 says that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. I mean, yo, if that one right there, like if he didn't even get into the 323, like this one alone is miraculous. Psalm 22.16 says that he would be executed by crucifixion by having his hands and his feet pierced. And watch this. This was even before the Romans even invented crucifixion. Think about that for a moment. Isaiah 49 verse 7 says that the Messiah would be hated without cause. Psalm 69 verse 21 says that they would give him vinegar to quench his thirst. Here's the interesting thing, because like if had they known their Bible, they could have easily went and said, no one give him vinegar, <laughs> right? But guess what? You can't stop God's word. I said you can't stop God's word. Here's another one. Isaiah 53 verses 9 through 10 says that the Messiah would be raised from the dead. Now, I want to share with you something. I love this. I think I've shared this. It's probably been many years ago, but it's a calculation that mathematician Peter Stoner had put together. And he said that the probability of any one man just fulfilling eight, I just gave you eight, but eight of those 324 prophecies coming to pass, just eight, the probability of that being fulfilled comes to 10, hold on, to the 17th power. Uh, yeah, they, they can't grasp that number because, like, how do you, that's one with 17 zeros after it. I love this because I know people are kind of looking at me, and I think this is true with numbers. I could have told you 56, and you would have gave me the same look, right? So, and he knew that, right? Even though he's a mathematician, he goes, I'm going to put this, I'm gonna have to put this in a way that people are going to understand it. And so he did. And you know what he came up with, and he put the calculation on this. He said, imagine if you take the state of Texas. And by the way, Texas is a big state, okay? It, it's close to 800 feet north to south, and it's a, I think it's a little over, uh, I'm sorry, 800 miles north to south, and it's eight, 800 miles east to west. It's a little more than 800 miles. And I can tell you that because whenever I drove from New Mexico to Florida, it literally took us all day long to get through uh, Texas. So Peter Stoner said, Imagine if you take the whole state of Texas and you fill it with silver dollars dropping all over the state two feet deep. And then you mark one of those silver dollars and you mix it up and you blindfold a man and say you get one chance to pick the right one. That's the probability of one in ten to the 17th power. Chew on that for a moment. I mean, like, imagine dropping silver dollars two feet deep in your backyard and trying to get it right. Now we're talking about Tejas here, right? I mean, come on. And again, this is only eight of the 324. Now, I know I'm spending a little bit of extra time on this right here, but you need to know that the Bible is the living, breathing word of God. And it's for that reason that we need to be storing up his word in our heart. Why? Because God's word carries God's authority. It tells us who we really are. It tells us who God really is. 
Because anything else that we believe to be true is, is hearsay at best if it isn't lined with the word. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life, especially my faith, based on hearsay. I want to live based on what is absolutely true. In Psalm 119 and verse 160, King David says, the entirety of your word is true. The ESV says it this way, the sum of your word is true. In other words, whenever you add up all of God's word, what you get is truth. And when you get truth, you find freedom. Amen? Come on, are you with me, church? Okay, we're supposed to be in Acts. Why'd y'all get me off course? <laughs> let's go back and let's read the beginning again. Uh, Acts 1, we'll go back verse 1 one more time. In, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The first four verses of Acts pave the way for all that we're going to read in the entire book. And it starts with a command and a promise. The command was for the disciples to um, go and not leave Jerusalem, but rather to wait. I know that many of you already know this, but one thing that you need to know if you're going to be a follower of Jesus is that there will be more times than you can count that God will require you to wait. Yeah. There's not a lot of, um, I don't, who knows as to the reasons as to why God does that. I'm not God. But can I just say this? Rest assured it's not because God's watch is broken. Someone needs to hear that because you feel like something hasn't happened in your life. God's watch is not broken, and, and he is not slow, and he is not late. You see, waiting doesn't have anything to do with how God is affected, but it has everything to do with how we're affected and the effect it has on us. Paul says in Romans 8.25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, contextually, the thing that we're talking about this morning is the coming of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to highlight that any promise that we have from God will almost always have an incubation period. I'm talking about the time where God develops us and he prepares us for the promise. And often that time comes in the form of resistance, pressure. Sometimes it comes and serves as a form of a refiner's fire where God removes things from our lives, things that do not need to be there in order that we can carry well the promise that he has given us. Church, understand that every promise of God has an intended purpose. God doesn't do anything unless it serves a purpose. You see, we serve a very intentional God. And so knowing that truth allows us to wait with patience, knowing that God will bring about everything in his perfect timing. 
gosh, I wish I would have grabbed a hold of this whenever I was uh, younger. Um, because I, while I believed God's promises and the things that he had spoke to me, I haven't always waited well. Can, can anyone else r- relate? Like, I, I, haven't, I haven't always been patient. Um, as a matter of fact, I would oftentimes try to be a primer for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> can I just tell you something? The Holy Spirit does not need a primer, okay? Hey, if you end up trying to be a, a primer, guess what? You're going to end up like Abraham, and you're going to end up with an Ishmael. Hello? You need to grab a hold of that, church. If God hasn't brought about something in your life yet, can I just give you two words of advice? First of all, don't give up hope. Imagine if Joshua would have stopped on day six. Walls of Jericho would have never come down. Don't give up hope. That's the reason we must be praying. That's why Jesus said that I, I would, that men would be praying everywhere, right? So that we would not give up hope. But don't give up hope. And two, don't take matters into your own hands because, watch this, either one of those two things will always cause you to come up short of what God has purposed for your life. As we'll read a little bit later on, we'll see that the disciples, <clears throat> they modeled for us exactly what we should do. <clears throat> but before we get into that, first of all, I want to just talk about the promise that Jesus gave them. The promise of the Father in verse 4 is a reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is described in the book of John, chapters 14 through 16. It's a promise that was also told by John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16 when he said, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and in fire. And then, of course, Jesus himself says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I have to tell you that I am excited beyond words to teach you this book, the book of Acts, because the Holy Spirit has long been one of the least talked about figures in the Godhead. Are are you hearing this? you got to hear this, church. Because often we'll hear people reference God the Father. Often we'll hear people reference God the Son. But few talk about God the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan wrote an excellent book called The Forgotten God. Reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. And that is exactly what has happened in many churches today. Many mainstream denominations refuse to allow the person of the Holy Spirit in their church. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your church, it ain't church. It's a form of godliness is all that it is. But it ain't the real church of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into what we'll eventually be reading in Acts. Because I want you to know that this whole book is about the Holy Spirit. You're going to pick up on that as we go through it chapter by chapter. As a matter of fact, and this is just in my opinion, I don't think that it should have been named the Acts of the Apostles. That was a man-given name, by the way, just so you know. Um, but rather it should have been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. 
Because the things that we read about in Acts could have only been done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Men and women just happen to be uh, recipients of that power and vessels chosen by God to be used to accomplish his purposes. And by the way, just in case you haven't been taught this before, like the Holy Spirit didn't just come on the scene in the New Testament. Like when you look back to the very beginning and you even read in the book of Genesis, you'll see that the Holy Spirit participated in creation. It was the Holy Spirit that gave life to humanity. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, that's the Hebrew word which is also translated spirit. Like when you look in the Old Testament, we see times that the Holy Spirit came upon certain judges and warriors and prophets in ways that gave them extraordinary power. The Holy Spirit played a prominent role in the long span of Old Testament prophecy. As a matter of fact, that's why David declared that the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. It was also the Holy Spirit that inspired holiness in the Old Testament believers. The scripture even promised in Ezekiel 36, 27, that someday God would put his spirit in his people in such a way that would cause them to live according to his statutes. And then in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, the prophet says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. If you have a problem with women in the church, you have a problem because God said in the last day that he's going to pour his spirit upon all flesh and that sons and daughters is going to prophesy. And I'm just going to go ahead and tackle that false teaching that's being presented by a lot of uh, mainstream denominations because ladies, because I know this is true because I've talked to many of you, you've come out of churches like that where you've been told that you are less than second best, and that is just a misunderstanding of the word of God. God said that in the last days, some people say, well, the last days is 2,000 years ago. Oh, it's not today? I mean, like, what? Like, anyway, I, sometimes it's difficult to deal with stupidity, but um, I digress. But he says this will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. My, my, my older buddies that's older than me, keep dreaming. Oh, yeah, I'm talking to some of you. Keep dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. Your young men shall see visions, right? He said, that's what's going to come to pass. Well, guess what? This is that. This is what we're reading about. In the Old Testament. Now we're seeing it come to pass here in the book of Acts. This is the thing that the prophet said would eventually come. And it's also the thing that Jesus said would come as well. As we'll read later on, we'll see that the Holy Spirit, he does great and amazing things through the lives of his followers. But it is absolutely essential that we do not neglect the person of the Holy Spirit. And that we welcome him. Not only into our church services, to me that seems like a no-brainer, but even into our lives, our daily lives, and ask God to fill us with his precious Holy Spirit. That's a good place to say amen, church. I said that's a good place to say amen. Amen. Now, I know that we're just trying to make some headway through the book of Acts. Don't worry, I had to kind of lay some of this foundation before we dive into some of this stuff, and I needed to teach you 
about a few things that some of you may not know about the Holy Spirit. I know that some of you that have been serving God for a while, you're familiar with these things. Not everyone is, okay? Um, and um, by the way, if you're here and you don't believe any of these things, can I just say, like, fact check me? Like, please. Or no, should I say, I should say it rather this way, truth check me, <laughs> okay? Like, I, I, I would love for you to read your Bible, and, okay, and to truth check me, okay? So I'm going to just throw out a few truths that I, I feel like you, you need to know about the Holy Spirit. And again, this isn't comprehensive, okay? But the first thing that you need to know is that the Bible treats the person of the Holy Spirit as a distinct person. And it's important that you recognize this. Scripture teaches us that there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to do a, a deep dive into the teaching of the, the Trinity right now. Maybe we'll get around to that one day. But today's purpose is to just let you know who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And know, again, that not any one message is going to be uh, comprehensive in case you're thinking, well, how come you didn't talk about this? Because I've only got an hour to teach. Don't worry. This is going to be a long series. This series will probably carry us through the remainder. So if I haven't talked about them yet, we'll get around to it, all right? But here's a few things that I just wanted to um, mention about the Holy Spirit. I'll just throw a few out there, things that the Holy Spirit does, right? One is he makes intercession for the saints according to God's will. Thank God for that, right? I mean, this right here is Romans 8, verse 27, when it says that the Spirit, like he intercedes for us with groanings which are beyond words. I said this to someone the other day. I think I heard this from Bill Johnson. It was so good. It says, you know, it's really awesome that we get to pray to God, but what's really fun is to pray with God. Some of you all chew on that a little bit later. Be like, huh? Because we have the Spirit of God inside of us and that intercedes in us and through us. Thank God for that. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit searches all things. That's first. By the way, get your notes out because I'm going to give you so much scripture. I'm going to inundate you scripture. I'm going to throw all kinds of scripture out there. Predominantly because I want you to know that these aren't my ideas so that you have truth on all of this. But this Bible says that the Holy Spirit, he searches all things. And that's in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. We learn that the Holy Spirit has emotions and that he can be grieved. And you can read about that in Ephesians 4.30 in Isaiah 63.10. The Bible says that he distributes gifts. That is so good. I mean, think about this, like, today's my 15-year-old's uh, birthday, and so happy birthday, Paige, and um, Paige, it would be pretty bad if you had a party and there's, like, no gifts there. It's like, happy birthday, and there's, like, no gifts. She'd be like, where's my gifts at? I mean, she's going to be, like, grateful for everyone's presence, but she'd be like, yeah, I'd like to have some gifts, right? <laughs> well, check this out. God has some gifts, and there's so many of us who are just like, oh, God, I'm good. You know, I'm just good with you saving me and going to heaven. And thank God that we get, are saved and get to go to heaven. But if he's got some gifts from God, hello, he's wanting to give to us, count me in. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, that's not a bad thing to ask. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we should earnestly desire spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 14, right? That means that earnestly desire means that we should pursue, we should be asking. But yet there's many in the body of Christ they have never received the gifts because, James 4, 2, they have never asked. But you do not have because you do not ask. And so we need to pursue and we need to ask. 
And it's a good thing. And we're going to get into, matter of fact, I'll probably take uh, one Sunday and we'll just talk about all the, the nine gifts of the Spirit that are laid out in 1 Corinthians and uh, talk about uh, all of those um, because it's so important that we, because we need the gifts in the Spirit. I mean, like God gave them to us for the building up of the church. Right? I mean, no warriors going into a battle without taking the, the ammunition, ammunition that was given him. Are you with me? And God has given us a lot of ammunition. Here's another thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit guides the church. And thank God for that. Thank God that I don't have to lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I can acknowledge him, and he'll make my path straight. He will lead me by his spirit. That's, you'll find that in Acts chapter 13. Verse 2, you also read it in, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. We'll get around uh, to, to reading that. And then one more. The Holy Spirit convinces the world of the realities of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And you read about that in the book of John chapter 16. Let me just share with you some common terms that are used to refer to the Holy Spirit. For example, he's called a comforter, right? As a matter of fact, whenever Jesus says, it's to my benefit that I, I, I go. And, and just to give a little bit of quick teaching on this, like the person of the Holy Spirit dwelt within the person and the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus tried to explain to his disciples that whenever I ascend, I'm going to go away. But it's going to be to your benefit. Uh, benefit. You're going to be a benefactor, right, uh, of what I'm going to give you. Because our faith in the finished work of the cross, then causes us to become the body of Christ, being recipients of the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit is not now just regulated to the person of Jesus here on earth, but he's going to go to the Father and then send the Holy Spirit to us, which now dwells within us. Come on, isn't that good stuff? But he's a comforter, and that's how Jesus describes him. He says, I'm going to send you my comforter, my paraclete, is how it's said in the Greek. My helper, my advocate. The Holy Spirit's also called a teacher. He's called a guide. Many places, especially within the book of Acts, you'll hear him just referred to as power. They'll say power from on high will come upon them. Well, that's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, these are just to name a few. And what I really want you to notice, because... We're going to see it as we go all throughout the book of Acts, is that the Holy Spirit empowers believers, watch this, for service and reconciliation. For service and reconciliation. As a matter of fact, that's the, the purpose for the gifts of the Spirit that I mentioned earlier. Therefore, the establishment of the church, as, as Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. The edification of the local church body, or in other words, the individual members of the church body, which is listed out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And for service and outreach, which again is also mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, but it's also mentioned in Romans chapter 12. And then there's the big one, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you want to know who's got the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Look and see who bears fruit, right? And that's found in Galatians 5. 22 through 23. How many of you know it? Fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? By the way, can I just say, fruit can only be brought about by the Holy Spirit. Like you can't get the fruit of the Spirit by means of the flesh. 
by means of hard work. It can only be born of the Spirit. Now, this is just an introduction. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit all throughout the book of Acts. And you know why? Because you can't read the book of Acts without talking about him. As a matter of fact, every single chapter talks about him. Matter of fact, whenever I wrote that statement down in my notes, I said, I better just make sure that what I said was accurate. And so I went Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, all the way to Acts 28. And guess what? There's not one single chapter. Go ahead and truth check me. That ta- I mean, I'm telling you, every single chapter talks about the Holy Spirit. Now, thank God most of you guys have, have been here for a long period of time, but some of you haven't, and you, you've been to other churches when I don't think the Holy Spirit's been mentioned in the last decade. And we wonder why we have a weak, impotent church in America. But for this morning, I want us to look at just a few more verses in Acts chapter 1 in order to set the stage for what's going to be coming for our upcoming weeks. I'm excited about this series. Did I mention that? Let's pick back up in verse 6. Hallelujah. Hmm. So when they had come together, how many of you know you need to come together? You don't need to be a maverick out doing your own thing. No no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. I want to encourage those of you that can that's here in Jacksonville. Many of you are outside of Jacksonville watching online, and obviously you can't be here, but it's time to overcome the fear that has been spread of COVID. I'm not saying that there's not a reality to it. I'm telling you, you need to be here. We got plenty of room. We'll we'll still give you some distance, and we'll respect your distance, but there's something to the gathering together of the people. As a matter of fact, I didn't make this statement a couple years ago. Maybe I should. I'm getting a little more bolder in my age, but I'm going to tell you something. Social distancing and Christianity are not compatible. I mean, when you look at the very tenets of our faith, the laying on of hands, baptism, fellowship, communion, the breaking of bread, those things can't happen whenever someone is is in another state or even in another household. There needs to be a coming together. And maybe that's the reason why God's word says, do not forsake The gathering together of the saints. I'm just encouraging you. I'm not calling you up, those of you online. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you up. I'm saying come, and we'll still respect you, and we won't judge you, but we're telling you that there's something that can't be gotten out there. There were times I was eight weeks. I was at home whenever I had my surgery, and I'm going to tell you something. At home ain't the same as here. Come on, help me out, people, so that they know there's something that's here. You can get good teaching online all day long. But there's something with the gathering of God's people. And that's what we read about right here. It says, when they had come together. And they asked him, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Hey, I got to stop there for just a second. It's a little side note. It's not my main note. But some of you have been asking, God, why? And God's saying, it's not for you to know. Hmm, who is it, Lord? <laughs> That's for somebody. Where you've been asking God, God, but, but, but this, but this, it's not for you to know. But here's the thing I love about Jesus. He says, but. So it's like Jesus didn't say, I ain't telling you. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And immediately after he said that, he ascended into heaven. 
Now, think about this for a minute. The very last thing, the very last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before going into heaven was Acts 1.8. I mean, if I know that I'm getting ready to leave and I'm talking to my family or my friends or even you guys and I know it's my, my last time, you think that the very last thing that I'm going to say is probably going to be the thing that I have very much thought through because I know what's coming, and I'm going to be very intentional about what I say. You better believe that that's true with Jesus. He is way more intentional than I ever would be. But yet, what did he say? Acts 1.8. I'm going to go ahead and repeat it again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You don't understand anything? Oh, you don't know why things? Oh, oh. Well, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Which I think is only fitting because that was the last thing that was also recorded in Matthew's gospel. Now, not Luke. It would be easy for me to point back and say, well, Luke mentioned it here. So, you know, Luke's going to mention it again. Matthew said the same thing. So, just in case you're wondering, you know, oh, that was just Luke's idea. No, the Holy Spirit spoke to Matthew. And matter of fact, let me read it to you. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, and came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You see, watch this, look at me. Acts 1.8 is simply a retelling of the Great Commission. Isn't that good? That's good. Friends, Jesus' purpose for our lives has not changed. He has been consistent in what it is that he has called us to do. We are called to know God and to make him known. And how do we do that? I'll tell you. Well, Jesus already told you. By the power of the Holy Spirit. I just have to give you a little spoiler and let you know that the early church believed what Jesus said. Like what we're reading about right now, he, 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 like they were all in, and guess what? They received the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were obedient to do all that God's word had instructed them to do and all that the Holy Spirit had led them to do. And as a result, guess what? They turned the world upside down which is really right side up, but that's what the world called them when they turned the world right side up. He said that they said that they, they turned the world upside down. You say, yeah, but pastor, um, we're talking about Peter. We're talking about Paul, though, right? On all these great disciples, how can I change my world? You can change your world because you have available to you the same Holy Spirit. Are you with me? You don't have a JV, Junior Varsity Holy Ghost. Teenagers, I say that to you guys. You don't have a Junior Varsity Holy Spirit. The same spirit that's in your pastor, that's in your, your uh, parents, you guys have that same power in you. Listen, I know that many of you have already been taught this, but understand that Jesus didn't pick the cream of the crop when he picked his disciples. But again, as I said earlier, 
God does everything for a purpose. And God purposely chose those whom the world may have considered unqualified or uneducated to show that it's not these men who were these great wise men. But he chose them as vessels to demonstrate God's power so that others' faith wouldn't rest on human wisdom, but on God. Now the question is, will you say yes to allowing the Holy Spirit to use you? Will you allow him to work through you for the glory of his name? The last thing that Jesus said was that you would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and that you would be witnesses for him. You see, that word right there in the Greek is, is the word dunamis. And it literally means miracle-working power. It means the ability to do things that you could have never done on your own, like laying hands on the sick and praying for them to recover. Like sharing your testimony about the things that God has done in your life and trusting that that testimony, because the Bible says that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when we give testimony about the things that God has done in our life, it creates this atmosphere and it ignites faith within the people and it prophetically declares that God did it for them and God's no respecter of persons, so God can also do it for others. How about this one? Or operating in, in wisdom and, and, and guidance that you would not have had on your own. I mean, oh gosh, we're going to be reading about so much, I can't wait to get into it. And these are just but a few of the things that come as a result of living a spirit-filled life. You see, God wants our life to continue to reveal the acts of the Holy Spirit. To be a part of what he's doing in our generation. So I want to just end today's message with an invitation. It's an invitation which also gives a little bit of an insight, just in case you're kind of unsure as what to do. Jesus beautifully lays it out in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. He says, I tell you, not just the preacher, this is Jesus speaking. It's in your Bible. I tell you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, of course, Jesus is talking about it in comparison to, to God, right? He says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you are ready to be all in in your faith, ready to proclaim the name of Jesus, eager to be used by God to do things that you could never do on your own. And you would say to God, God, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want you to baptize me in fire. 
I surrender to you. And I say to you, have your way in me. If that is you, and that's burning in your heart, stand to your feet right now. If you want to be filled with God's spirit, stand to your feet. If I only get three people, I'm going to walk out of this church and someone else is going to pastor. You better get up on your feet if you want. I'm not talking, I'm talking to those of you that have been filled with the spirit, but you want to be baptized afresh. That's what, this is for everybody. Come on. I'll take, I'll take the 10, I'll take the 20 that'll say I want it. I'll take you 20, we'll go somewhere else. I'm just joking. Come on, guys. I'm talking about being hungry and thirsting for God. Are you with me? Are y'all with me? I don't want to do this thing on my own. Don't not go with me. I'm going, to, I'm going to go after him. But we got to have the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. We cannot do this on our own. And you know what? I feel that this was a strategic message. And you know what? Some people aren't going to be on board with this. That's okay. They're going to want programs and all this, you know, whatever. I want the power of God. I want the Spirit of God. I want to shake a city. I want to see healing. I want to see deliverance. I want to see the drug addicts truly get set free because you can't come in and give them seven keys to a, a good sermon and expect them to get free. It's going to take the power of God, friend. And it's going to take a people who are filled with the Spirit of God and that are ready and bold to stand out and to speak and to say, God, use me, empower me. And so listen, if that is you, and you want to be filled afresh, afresh. I know some of y'all didn't understand my invitation earlier. I wasn't just talking to those of you that have never been filled with the Spirit. I'm speaking also to those of you who have been filled with the Spirit, but you need a fresh baptism in the Spirit. And you know what? I pray often, Lord, fresh wind, fresh fire. Fresh wind, fresh fire. Because I need it. I don't want to just go based on yesterday's manna. God, give me this day my daily bread. God, what you have for me, Lord, breathe on me this day. And so for whoever that is, whether that is those of you that have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, what do you do? You do what Jesus just said in Luke chapter 11. You say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me, oh God, with your Holy Spirit. And he will, friends. Those of you that have been filled with the Spirit before, but maybe things in your life has kind of been feeling like, oh, man, I haven't sensed the Spirit of God in a while. Well, guess what? He wants to baptize you afresh this morning. He wants to breathe on you this morning, the breath of life, the Ruach of God, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Spirit of God. And so I'm just going to pray right now, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to baptize us into this place. So now is not the time to be a spectator. Now is the time to be a participator. If you want God to touch you right where you are, forget about what's going on around you, in front of you, beside you. Throw your hands up to heaven and surrender to him and say, Lord, fill me. Fill me, oh God. Father, I ask you, Lord, to breathe on this place. Precious Holy Spirit, pour out of your spirit, oh God. Lord, I pray that you light a fire in our hearts, God. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we will never become lethargic in regards to the things of the spirit. May we hunger. May we thirst for righteousness. God, I pray, Lord, for those that are comfortable in their faith, that salt would be in their mouth right now and that you would cause them to thirst for you. You give, you give us living water, Lord, so that we thirst no more. But God, we must thirst. We must hunger. And we do that, oh God. We hunger for you, oh Lord God.
Pour your spirit out, Lord God. Baptize, Lord God, afresh those that are in this place, Lord God. Give them, Lord God, a boldness, God, to be a witness to this world, that they will be, Lord, the city on a, a hill, shining bright, Lord, the glory and the goodness of their heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, to unify the body of Christ. We ask you, Lord God, that, Lord, we would be one. Lord, as you and the Father are one, as you prayed in John 17, I pray that they be one, as you and I are one. For then the world will believe that you've sent me. God, let there be a, unify, a unification of one mind, one heart, and one spirit in this place that desires you above all things, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, we long for you. In a dry and a weary land, if you're dry and you're weary, and now's the time. He gives us river, living, uh, rivers of living water so that we thirst no more. The scripture says that from our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. God, pour out from your living waters, oh God. Oh, have your way in here, precious Holy Spirit. Oh, we invite you to come. Come on, let's press in, guys. We have some time here. Let's just invite the Spirit of God to have his way. Come on, let's cry out. You and you alone, Jesus. Come on, just invite him, church. Invite the Spirit of God to come to flood this place. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. Presence is an open door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door and come in to me, I will come in with him. We invite you, precious Holy Spirit.
sure I don't get the cart before, I'm saying the horse before the cart. almost got that backwards. If you're here this morning and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you that invitation right now. I'm going to give you that invitation right now. And you can know for certain today, as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are a disciple of his. And that you begin to step into what we talked about today, the power of the Spirit. If you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord, or maybe at one point you have walked with him, but like something got you off track and you know that you're not walking with God, I want to give you that invitation. And I want to just invite you to pray with me if that's you or if you're watching online. And you know that you're not in right standing with God. The Bible says that if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead that we will be saved and so what I want to lead you in is a prayer of surrender that says Jesus I surrender my whole heart to you I want to be all in if that's you I want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me and take ownership of these words and we're going to all confess Jesus as Lord in this place pray this out loud if this is if this is you and you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't want to live for the things of this world. I'm going to live for him and him alone. Pray this out loud. Saints of God, join in with us. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. Now I'm going to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, look at me for just a moment. First of all, can we thank God for salvation? First and foremost. Yeah. Can I let you in on a practice that I do every morning? First thing that I do, I thank God for my salvation. I mean, that just sets your mind right right there. It's the very first thing. I'm going to encourage you. When you wake up every morning, just thank God that you're saved. Thank God because you're stepping into a new mercy, right? His mercies are new every day. Thank God for that. I challenge some of you guys today. And can I just say this? from my heart of love to make sure that I communicate. I love this church body. And what I'll never do is preach a seeker-sensitive message. I will challenge you as a pastor who one day is going to have to stand before God whenever I call you up, and I'm not calling you out when I challenge you, church body. I'm calling you up. I want you to be the people that God's called you to be. I love you guys. I pray for you guys. And I know that God has greatness in store for you. And you know why? Because I know who's inside of you. The precious Holy Spirit. And I want to stir your faith and hope in such a way to know that you're going to carry out everything that he's purposed for you. Everything that's been written in his books in Psalm 139. Before yet one of them came to pass. But the only way that you nor I are going to be able to fulfill those things is being a surrendered person who thirsts and hungers for righteousness that says, Lord, I need you to continually baptize me, fill me afresh, breathe the, the, the breath of life on us. That's what we need if we're going to do all that God has called us to do.
not only in this city, in this church, but even in our lives and in our families. Amen. Listen, if you surrendered your life to Jesus today, if you made him your personal savior, do us one favor, please. As soon as you exit the auditorium today, you'll see a banner that says, I have decided. There will be some people there that would be honored to pray with you. They'll take about a minute of your time, give you a Bible if you don't have one, and put a very important pamphlet in your hand. And on that pamphlet is a link to some very short yet important videos that Pastor Chris has prepared just for you and that decision that you made today. So please stop by that banner on your way out. If you need prayer for anything else, if you need another dose of the outpouring and the Holy Spirit, then there will be some folks right over here to my right and your left. They'd be honored to pray with you today. Let our lives continue to reveal the acts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The best is yet to come, church. Would you declare God's word with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Go with God. Live all in this week.